This is the Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G Podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G. I'm your host for this podcast episode, Dr. Germ G, an inspiring writer, an educator, and a lover of movies, comics, sports, and culture. So I'm back here um, on the mic after my previous podcast episode where I gave my thoughts on the multiverse films. And, well, things haven't gone too good for The Flash. It's basically been panned financially as a complete disaster. I still think the film was good, but, hey, what are you going to do? I mean, the the fans have spoken. The critics more or less supported it. But, basically, I don't think the public could get past the shenanigans of Ezra Miller and also the fact that the movie basically is irrelevant to what James Gunn wants to do with the DC universe. So anyway, so, you know, I guess we'll see how things shake up, but hopefully DC can recover. But for this episode, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about something more serious. You know, I wanted to reflect on some pending decisions coming down from the Supreme Court. One in particular that I think uh, is, I think it's important to spend a little bit of time reflecting on. You know, it's ironic that in this era of racial reckoning and heightened awareness of the dearth of diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout many of our institutions, that we are on the verge of a U.S. Supreme Court decision that could potentially take us back to the 1960s. So any day now, the U.S. High Court is expected to rule on two cases brought by the conservative-backed Students for Fair Admissions, Inc. against Harvard and the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. The Harvard case challenges the use of race-conscious admissions policies, which is argued to discriminate against white applicants while the UNC Chapel Hill case argues that race-based admissions policies discriminate against white and Asian applicants. So the Supreme Court's agreed to consolidate both cases for review and is likely to give its decision in the coming, I would say, you know, 24 to 48 hours. So, and I think a majority of higher ed legal experts expect the conservative high court to either significantly reduce the ability of higher education institutions to factor race into college admissions or to strike it down outright as advocated by the Students for Fair Admissions, Inc. So the conservative nonprofit is basically arguing in their brief that the, 20, the 2003 Supreme Court decision in Grutter versus Bollinger, which involved the University of Michigan Law School, should be struck down as a decision upheld as that particular decision upheld the use of race and ethnicity as part of holistic admissions processes to continue meeting national interest or prerogatives for racial diversity in education and professional fields. The conservative plaintiffs, though, are using the Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka case and Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act to argue that race-conscious policies 
basically violate civil rights by perpetuating forms of racial discrimination that were believed to have been all but eradicated with the end of, of segregation. So I think the decision is expected to significantly affect admissions policies at most at the most selective private and public colleges in the U.S. Basically, it's expected to exacerbate the class and race divides that have persisted at these institutions for years. See, regardless of the outcome, I think it's really just uh, it's, it's really just going to give more sunlight to the idea that there is a gulf of distance between elite higher ed institutions and other colleges and universities. Everyone knows that if you can get into the quote unquote right school, you can increase your chance of getting into the quote unquote right network, which would eventually open up access to exclusive career, entrepreneurial and or political opportunities. So this case is about fighting to see which groups can get access to exclusive community of opportunities. Race is somewhat of a proxy, in my opinion. It, it is likely true that if the court strikes down Grutter versus Bollinger, they would open the floodgates to all sorts of legal challenges to affirmative action, including a likely alternative of race-neutral admissions policies. See, race-neutral policies would, I think, come under harsh scrutiny because everyone knows that it's an attempt to circumvent opposition to race-conscious preferences in college admissions, which is pretty much tied to how America's school districts function, including the use of standardized tests as a means of filtering out students and, you know, the, the price of real estate, too. I mean, because the way our school districts work, the, the real estate is very much central to that process. So there are ways that that we have been tr- filtering and separating ourselves uh, based on social economic status, which in many cases also uh, also creates racial and ethnic divides. So now, is it possible that the decision could lead to fewer blacks, Latinos and Native American students at elite colleges, and universities? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. But I think I argue I think that the decision is actually a Pandora's box with far greater implications for our society. Just keep in mind that recent studies on the economic impact of racial and ethnic inequities are documented to have cost the U.S. trillions, trillions of dollars since the 1990s. That's just since the 1990s. So, you know, the case obviously triggers reminders of the country's ugly history with racial and ethnic inequities. The right, the political right wants us to forget and pretend that Diversity, equity, and inclusion movements are merely ploys to engineer reverse discrimination as a remedy for centuries of racism and oppression. Conversely, I think the political left projects an urgency to push DEI at times in a manner that is bereft of reality. We can't undo centuries of racism and oppression overnight. The college admissions cases clearly show that changes from a generation ago can barely hold up to legal scrutiny. So regardless of how clear and vividly ugly our country's history might be, there is likely always going to be a contingent of people that will fight against diversity, equity, and inclusion, or a broader illustration of history, as I would like to frame it. Um, So for some, there's just a lack of empathy towards that past and how it continues to impact the future. 
So we have to figure out ways to keep the society functioning while negotiating the way forward. That's right. We have to negotiate our way forward. Now, how that happens, I leave that to our experts. But we can expect that our higher education institutions will nimbly strategize and adjust to whatever decision comes down. If race-conscious admissions practices are struck down, it'll probably mobilize voters in a similar fashion to the Roe versus Wade decision last year, which freed states to decide the legality of abortion. And so we've seen more abortion restrictions across states, but we've also seen some unusually high political mobilization in support of women's choices. And it's come from, you know, across the political spectrum. So I think I think people will be scared into action of some sort to protect against a complete reversal of gains against historic racial and ethnic discrimination, particularly against black and Latinos, Hispanics. What I'm not so sure about is the impact of class relations, because, you know, it's possible that the status quo will prevail in that sense. And we just accept the reality of elite higher ed institutions, whether they receive public funds or not. The value of exclusivity may actually increase as a result of this case. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just, you know, know, our society may double down and it may be greater intensity uh, by communities to push for positioning themselves to get those very few highly selective spots at institutions that we just accept as a barometer for elite status in our society. So I don't know. I mean, I I think, I think that's, that's part of this situation that I believe will probably go unaddressed to some degree, or if it is addressed, it'll be by a small cluster of people that, the vast majority will pay no attention to. Well, but thank you for your work anyway, folks. And I will just say, look, regardless of what, regardless of what happens, we should just brace ourselves for significant change in the next 24 to 48 hours. And just what that, that, that sudden change may do to us. I mean, we'll have to take a breath you know, exhale and and gather ourselves and figure out the way forward because change is coming. And that's really all I have for today. Uh, this is a very pithy segment. Um, I don't like to get too political. I mean, I certainly can. I'm, I'm well versed in political verbiage and you know, I've studied it, but think in this case, you know what, we just need to take a step back, see what the decision is and, and assess the immediate reaction and then just observe and see how our institutions respond. I mean, it's June, so we should probably begin to see not only some immediate strategies in place by the fall, but I think we'll also begin to see some shifts in how the society works. Now, mind you, the full impact of this decision probably won't manifest itself for another five to 10 years. 
And so I think we just, but we, I think it's important for those that do engage themselves to understand the long-term implications of these decisions on not just, you know, the higher ed sector, but the broader society. So hopefully, hopefully this is taken into account. Um, because again, you know, at the end of the day, this this is really bringing sunlight to the fact that we do have a collection of public and private elite institutions that, you know, pretty much exacerbate the social divides in our society. Now, I'm not saying that we have to dismantle those institutions, but I, I do think that it's in our best interest as a society to think about ways that we might somehow address the the lack of diversity and equity at our elite institutions and not necessarily make the concept of elite institution the problem per se, but thinking about what it would take to find some some compromise where we can at least experience some iteration of equity and inclusion that is more reflective of our society today and where we expect it to go in the future. So, but I will let our experts figure that out. I'm just giving my two cents to those out there in the podcast sphere or podcast universe if you can hear me if you're listening we'd love to get your thoughts on these uh, pending decisions i didn't mention anything about the student loan forgiveness plan and i'm not going to i hey you know i i hope i hope the supreme court allows biden to do it is all i would say but i i empathize with people who feel like well you know they paid and why should everyone else get a break yeah i understand but i'm my bias is that I'm hoping that that decision is upheld. So not just for me individually, but I just think that it will help. I think it, it'll help our, it'll help our society. It, it'll, it'll make them, I, I think it'll have more of a net gain for the society and for borrowers and for the economy than a negative. So that's my two cents. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you have some thoughts on the pending Supreme Court decisions on affirmative action or the student loan borrowing program, feel free to chime in. You can write me at drgermg at coolmeanderings.com or you can find me on Twitter at J-E-R-M-D-R, germdr. That's my Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram at drjerm, that's drgerm. And of course, I'm on YouTube at Dr. Germ G. All right. Thanks so much. This is the Cool Meanderings podcast with Dr. Germ G.